black and white and red all over. Ian Murta. He can talk football all day. Good evening, it is black and white and red all over with Ian Murta. Good evening, Ian. How, how are you? Busiest period of uh, football of the whole season. I mean, 12 months ago, we were all looking forward to a weekend of World Cup action with England playing United States and Wales playing Iran. Well, the two home nations didn't manage a goal between them in those games. England against the US was goalless and Wales lost 2-0 to Iran. And then last weekend, well, let's face it, the international break hasn't been particularly exciting either, has it? But uh, I think we're going to promise you excitement this weekend. I think Newcastle are playing a team who I think are on the rise under Pochettino after a slow start. Newcastle, Chelsea, that could be anything. You could almost say the same for Sunderland's long trip to Plymouth and Middlesbrough's trip to the southwest as well. Bristol City and, and Plymouth, well, they're not pulling up any trees, but they've both had some pretty good results in patches this season. So it's a very, very open weekend. I wouldn't, I wouldn't like to put any of the northeast teams in my five-pound acre. What about you, Darren? Um, <laughs> Yeah, I, I don't know. I mean, the, the three legends were just saying. I think Darren was saying uh, he's um, he's hoping for three wins for the uh, Northeast mm. three teams this weekend. Good luck at that one. Yeah, I, I, yeah, I'm I'm not so sure. Um, yeah, I mean, we'll t- we'll talk about predictions later, but I think uh, yeah, I'm, I'm just pleased the football's back. Are you Ian? It, it just I am. It's it's been stop start, hasn't yeah. it? You know, with the, since September we've had three international breaks, and you know. England had already qualified more or less. Same with Scotland. So there hasn't been a lot of jeopardy in in, in those weekends, has there? Which and jeopardy is what what sport is all about. I tell you what, though, two weeks ago, I thought we had a contender for certainly on the shortlist of one of the greatest Premier League matches of all time. Now most people would. I guess say Liverpool 4 Newcastle 3 back in the days of Kevin Keegan's entertainers but my goodness that uh, Chelsea Manchester City 4-4 draw was unbelievable and as I said I've been telling a lot of people I'm no lover of Chelsea (laughs) but I'm a lover of what Pochettino's doing there and I think they are going to get better and better and better yeah, well, uh, it looks that way, doesn't it? Um, mm. You know, things are starting to click for them, and uh, I think it's going to be a really interesting game at St James's Park tomorrow. Yes, I'm there, and I, I can't wait actually, because as I said, I think all three results are possible. I'll be going there with a very, very open mind. Mm. Absolutely. But uh, anyway, my my first guest, he's well liked by fans of two of our three big clubs Middlesbrough and Sunderland he was actually born in Gateshead but it's elsewhere in the region where I think he he inspires the strongest emotions he's uh, I would say he is idolised in Darlington he was uh, the Quakers most popular manager since Brian Little 
uh, during his two spells there. Uh, as for Hartlepool, Darlington's rivals, well, let's say I don't think Dave Hodgson will be expecting too many Christmas cards from that postcode <laughs> this year. <laughs> I think I'm right there. <laughs> I, bet, I bet you haven't had an intro like that. <laughs> First off, it's three times a quaker. I wrote a book. It's three times a quaker, not it, it, two. It, three three spells. I do apologise. Yeah. Absolutely no problem. And reference to Hartlepool, I've still got their £10.50, which they threw at me in the playoff um, first leg final uh, from the side of the pitch. I, I actually gathered £10 that day in coins, £10.50 in coins. There you go. So I'll, no, tell, you right I'll tell you a little I'll tell you a little story about that game. Uh the, the national press we were there. It was a playoff semi-final, and uh, if you can remember, the the dugouts were o over in front of the mill house stands. Yeah, so you, you, you had to walk across the pitch. Anyway, yeah. you'd been winding up the Hartlepool fans, and you'd been winding up Angus the monkey. At half time, when you were giving a team talk, he came over to the away dugout with a bottle of water, and he poured water over where you were just about to sit. And I can remember in the press box we were looking, and as you sat down, we all burst out laughing God. because you started oh, no. feeling your backside. He was the he was the culprit, and you know what? He got elected. He got elected mayor a few months later. <laughs> well, listen, uh, I actually find that quite humorous, so I wasn't I wouldn't have been offended by it. Uh, I had no problem. But you're right. Uh, the, the, the dugouts were put on the other side at the time, but I distinctly remember walking around the entire round the pitch, basically winding our fans up as well for that yeah. particular occasion because it was it was a big game for both teams you know yeah yeah listen and this show it's mainly about Newcastle Sunderland Middlesbrough but I think I, yes, I speak for fan, for I think I speak for fans of all of them we miss having Hartlepool and Darlington in the league you know it, it was yes. great when there were five in the region and it it's, yeah. looks a long long way back for Darlington at this stage and looks a pretty long way back for Hartlepool who blew their last last promotion from, from the National League but uh, you know I think I speak for everyone in this region in this football mad region fingers crossed for both clubs yeah, I'll be honest with you, yeah, absolutely right. Uh, there was nothing nicer than going and switching on tees at night time for the sports channel and hearing the information about all five clubs. That's well, that's no right. Yeah. Yeah. yeah, I know. I mean, I, I cut my journalistic teeth, teeth watching players like David Curry, who incidentally, in, I think, when was it? In the 80s. Do you know what yes, the PFA... Yeah, absolutely. Do you know what the PFA fourth division forward line was in, in 1987-88? This was the I'll, forward I'll, line. I'll, Go on then. David, I'll, Speedy. I'll, David Speedy. No, no, it was a, it was a bit no, no, after no, his okay. okay. Oh, well, right. right I'm, I'm gonna, I'm, yeah. It was David Curry, Steve Bull yeah. and David Platt. Oh, right. oh, and, wow. two of them were, and two of them went on to play in Italian 90, didn't really? they? So, yes, that's you know, absolutely right. So, yeah, Platt would have been a crew. That's right. At the time, because he got released by Manchester United as a kid. Yep. Uh, Bull, I'm trying to remember where Steve Bull would have been at at that point. Um, could he have been at Walsall? Oh no, he was. He was at Wolves. He was. He was. Oh, he's at Wolves. Uh, yeah, scored fifty goals that season. Okay, I wasn't sure if he'd gone out on loan as a kid and then obviously gone back to Wolves to be. Prolific as he was, yeah. So yeah, so them days are long seem to be a long, long way away for for us both for Dolo and for Hartlepool, of course. 
Yeah. That's right, Dave. I mean, you, you know, you you're still very much involved. Have you been Have you been watching Newcastle Sunderland in the middle through this season? To be honest with you, I probably see Newcastle more than ever simply because they're on ti- on uh, TV all the time. Yeah. Um, I'm a big Eddie Howe fan because of uh, the for Dan Goslin who worked for him for eight years and Jason Tindall. Yes. Um, so I'm a big fan of, of them guys, obviously. Um, so and, and Jonesy as well, of course, he's there. We, you know, Graham because he's a Geordie, so that goes without mm-hmm. saying. So I've seen a lot of Newcastle. Um, listen, over the years, I've mellowed in terms of you know my support in terms of either Borough, of course, Sunderland, where I grew up as a kid, supporting them. Yeah. And I've I've got to sort of enjoy watching all the teams and but Newcastle yeah. at the moment because of the position in the league, because of the European games, etc., etc., on the TV more. And I've really, really enjoyed it. I'm actually proud to say I am a Geordie, albeit not a Newcastle fan, because the turnout is just absolutely second to none. I mean, any player today playing at that stadium with that atmosphere, oh my God, you just... I mean, I play down field with 50-odd thousand and it's special, but that's just something a little bit different. Yeah, I mean, it is. I mean, you know, the... There was so much doom and gloom in the Ashley era, and oh, it was this this huge yeah. um, this huge umbrella was lifted from the place when yeah. Uh, yeah. when, when yeah. he yeah. left. It t- it didn't matter who was coming in, did it really? It was right. just the fact no, that um, I, yeah, I think yeah, of course, yeah. Listen, I, so, I'm I understand the Newcastle fans. At the end of the day, Mike Ashley bought a club that was in horrendous debt. And he left it with no debt. And he run the football club like a business, not how football fans want it, by the way, because they want to spend, spend, spend. Okay? Yes. But he run it like a business. He didn't have any affection towards the fans in the end. We know that. But from a business perspective, Newcastle United were in a better place on that aspect as they were when he took over. And when he handed it over, the club were in a very good financial position because a lot of people wouldn't have bought that club if it was in huge debt. Yeah, you've okay. got a point there, but I think fans oh, no, would have got a lot more pleasure watch, watching, yeah. a, looking at a balance sheet on a Saturday afternoon and watching what was on the pitch. You know, well, that's two different things. Obviously, a fan doesn't see yeah. that. Correct. Somebody like myself, who is a fan, being a football manager, being in charge of the, the finances of in a club, I know the importance of that budget or that or the, or, or the balance book levelling out, if not even, even to an extent, a profit, because that will always keep you going forward. Whereas if you're constantly in debt, then you do have problems, okay? So let's give a little bit of credit where it's due. And I know the Newcastle fans won't accept that from a from a, a Mackham, let's say, okay? But yeah, yeah. Okay, that's how I see things in football, yeah. You enjoy watching them as well on the pitch? Oh, I love it, yeah. At the moment, yeah, absolutely. Uh, listen, tough one tomorrow. Um, it's a very tough think- one. Uh, I heard the back end of your conversation with Pochettino and Chelsea and they're just starting to click. Um, yep. Do I think that they're good enough to be like a Man City? Not really, but I think um, on the run of form, their form is probably as good as anybody at the moment in the Premier League. Uh, and whereas they've got the incredible strength and depth in the squad, Newcastle are down to the bare bones. Obviously, Guimaraes is coming back from international duty, etc., so there's a lot of negatives, unfortunately, for Eddie going into this game. But if they get something out of it, that's a big statement from Newcastle. You know, that's a big I, statement. I, I agree yeah. with you. 
I agree with it. I think a lot of Newcastle fun in normal circumstances to take nothing yeah. but a win. But I think tomorrow, yeah. if 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 you gave most Newcastle fans a one-one draw, I think they'd bite your hand off. Because I think uh, most they, they, realistic fans, sensible fans, yeah. fans who understand the game, who study the game to a certain extent without going overboard, they they will look at this and say, you know what, we get a point out of this. That's a good that's a good point, and we're going the right direction. Um, yeah. I just hope it is that. And nothing worse, as I said, I have all the time in the world for the for the coaching staff at Newcastle and the job that they've done. Yeah, I do suspect that it'll be a, a pretty strong starting eleven. Eddie will be able to send uh, well, send out. Well, I think Isaac will best. play, but no. off the he won't have too many. He won't have too many no. options of the bench no. with, with so many no, players no, no, out. So, no. hey, so that's the interesting. Thing about that is, the other nice thing is, some kids have got the chance of late. And that's Absolutely. something that hasn't happened in Newcastle for a long time, okay? So Correct. let's let's just say that that also is a big plus. And if you don't put kids in, you'll never know how good they are. And I can refer to my time at the Borough with myself, Procky, Craig Johnston, Peter Johnson, all these guys, blah, blah, blah. And you could say the same with Man United in 92, for example. If you yeah. don't put them in, you never know if they're gonna if they're going to deliver. So it, this could be also a good thing for the kids, yeah. Let's let's go back in time to talk about your yeah. Borough career because what I mean that club it had a conveyor belt of talent didn't it? You, you've mentioned yourself, Craig Johnson. I mean, yeah. how many clubs would sell three players to Liverpool in the space of uh, what four years? Yourself, yeah, Graeme yeah, Souness, of course, and, and Craig Johnson. Yeah. yeah. Yes, um, and Procky went to Forest at that time as well, and Procky Forest were a big big team at the time. And listen, there was lots of others: Billy Askew, Peter Johnson. Stan Cubbins. Uh, little Stan was in there. A kid called Mickey Angus was in there, etc., cetera, etc. Cetera. There was a lot of, a lot of kids in that side. But that was a little bit down to the coaching that we had with a guy called Bobby Murdoch. God bless him. He's no longer here with us, obviously. A, he, a hero of mine as one of the Lisbon Lions. Absolutely. And people like him not only knew the game, they could actually show you exactly what to do. And that was across all aspects of whether it be a forward. I remember him taking some sessions with me, showing me what how Kenny Dalglish would turn and twist and bend it in. Obviously, even when I went to Liverpool, I still still couldn't do that. But the fact was, Bobby had everything in his locker when it came yes. down to showing kids exactly how to go about the job, you know, which is wonderful, eh? Yeah. Well, of course, he was part of uh, Jack Charlton's all-conquering side just uh, when you yeah, were yeah. just growing That's, up at, at the club. Yeah, yeah. Well, well, Jack was my first manager. I signed yep. for the Borough in 75, 76. I was 15 when I signed, but obviously I couldn't start. I was 16. So Jack was yep. my first manager. So, yeah, I mean, he again was a an intelligent manager, very astute on his signings, uh, very clever when it came to tactics. So, you know, signed a player like Bobby Murdoch, um, coming from from Scottish football at the time, at his age, that was, you know, great business by big, big Jack, yeah. Definitely. When you when you look at Boris history, I mean the the golden period, of course, was uh, when, when Gareth was captain and Steve McLaren was the manager. And they, they won the the first yeah. trophy in the history of the Carling Cup, and then they reached the UEFA Cup final as well. But but that period when you were there, it was a case of so cl- 
so near and yet so far. You reached the quarterfinals of the FA Cup, I think, two twice. And, of course, Anthony yeah. Vickers, who I had on as a guest two weeks ago, his, his new book, which I highly recommend, he talks about that defeat at Molyneux in a sixth-round yes. replay. And, and, that, and as oh, soon as that happened, he, he knew the likes of you and Craig Johnson were going to leave the club and that a, a sharp decline was, was, uh, well, was coming. I didn't depart in. Um, David Armstrong left, Craig left. I'm trying to think of somebody else, one or two others, but I, I actually didn't. I, I declined to leave. I wanted to stay for as long as I ever possibly could at the board at that particular time in my life. But you're right, that one defeat changed the future of that football club. And from then, unfortunately, there was a huge decline until Bruce came back in and the 86 yes. squad got back together. Tony Mowbray, Gary Pallister, uh, these type of players who all came, who came through together. They lifted the club back and they were recognised for that and still out this day. So it took a long time to recover, yeah. You, you won two league titles and a European Cup during your time at Anfield. But uh, yes. competition, competition was absolutely fierce in those days down there, wasn't it? Well, yes, you're right. Uh, I got off to a great start in the first year at Anfield. I played 30-odd, 35 games or something. I had a bad illness. Um, at the time called Quincy's, which took me out for quite, uh, quite some time to recover from. And then the second season, um, I, I really don't know know the answer why. I, I, well, actually, I do know the answer, to tell you the truth. But um, Joe, Joe Fagan took over, and I didn't get off to a great start with Joe on a personal note. But he brought in Michael Robinson, and uh, and he, he tried to manoeuvre me into a, another position on the pitch, and... Anyway, the bottom line is I, I didn't want to do that at the time. So the second season at Anfield, from a game perspective, was not was not the greatest for me, albeit I was always there or thereabouts on the bench and stuff like that. Mm -hmm. But yeah, but the first season uh, was technically a success, which is actually back to front for most people. Because when you go to Anfield, yeah. your first season tends to be learning the system of the club and yet you're sort of on the fringes, you don't get in. Where I went, and went straight in. Uh, yes, I think I at remember, one point I scored about four or five goals in the first 10 or 15 games. Then, of course, mm -hmm. Rushi clicked into gear and ended up with 35 and I stuck at, at five, I think. But, however, <laughs> uh, yeah, so it was it, it was a wonderful club. I learned a lot from the club, absorbed a lot. And, and even when I went into management, I took quite a few of their policies and principles with me because they were very, very genuine people. Very, yeah. there was no, there was no, grudges or any not that I was aware of to be honest with you no grudges with players or anything like that it was a case of it's all about Liverpool Football Club full stop and if you played well you stayed in if you didn't play well you were out it wasn't quite the case for uh, me that by the way but however yeah, so, yeah. <laughs> and of course there was a silver lining for you Dave because when he left you ended up uh, at the club you'd supported as a boy uh, playing for in, was, was it Len Asher so, who's Honestly, I'll tell you a brief little quick story. When I left Liverpool, Joe Fagan uh, rang me and on the night before I went up the sun, he said, right, do not sign until you speak to me tomorrow. And mm. Lenny then changed the the meeting time from 9 o'clock to 7.30. So I had to be at Roker Park at 7.30. By 8 o'clock, I'd ba basically made the decision I was coming in. I was always going to go, right? There was no choice. Right. And... Uh, so I signed, and then I rang back to Joe to tell Joe McGaffer and say, look, I've signed. He turned around, his last words to me were, and it's haunted me this day, and he said, you've just made the biggest mistake of your life. And 
all I can think of, he, he must have known Laurie, Laurie Me Enemy, but Laurie Mac many of the most people, <laughs> yeah. was, go, was going to turn up one year later because I signed for Sunderland. You don't leave Liverpool Football Club when they don't want you to leave with another two years on your contract and sign yeah. for a club if you're not going to believe that you're going to be there for a long, long time. So yes. I signed for Sunderland believing I was going to be there for a long, long time. Then Laurie Mack turned up. Well, the rest is history. And yeah, I, I left and by the end of the second year. Yeah, yeah, and you could have written a book about about that, couldn't you? Because of course he is probably your least favourite person in the whole world, Dave. Yeah, without question. I, I'm not embarrassed to say that on air. He, without question, I, I don't. There's nobody in the world I don't like, other than that particular time with that particular manager and that particular person, uh, and, and and that's including our old friend George Reynolds, who. Who, who had a, sometimes a very <laughs> difficult time with, but at the same time, he brought some laughter to the place. Well, unfortunately, Laurie didn't bring any laughter to us at Sunderland, that's for sure. Yeah. Now, not a lot of people know, but you, you could have been one of those rare footballers who, who turned out for all three of the North East's big three, because was it when Willie McFaul was Newcastle Manchester, you yes. almost uh, ended up at St. James's? I got a call off Jim Platt, and, big, and Jim Platt was obviously Irish international with Willie. Hmm. Yeah, and he called I still, me and said, I still see him at the Riverside. Right, okay. So Jim rang me uh, back in the day. There was no mobiles. Obviously, called by landline. Said, "Listen, yeah, you're going to get a call off Willie McFall." If I remember exactly how it was said, and he said um, he's been asking about you. Blah 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 blah. And at the time, obviously, to get away from Sunderland with Laurie was any. You know, I even went down and spoke to Dollar to tell you the truth. I was, mm -hmm. I was being very, very particularly happy with that move honestly anyway i didn't get the call so all i can think of is that willie rang laurie and laurie said no <laughs> so right. it never happened yeah so that's my only take on it but i never got the call uh but i actually thought i was going to and and be honest it would have been definitely been tempting um for su for such a club like that especially when wadler and gaza would have just been sort of just coming through then or not coming yeah, through that's but right. they say, well i mean that would have been fantastic yeah it would. Let, let's let's look to this weekend, and uh, I'd, I'd love your predictions for the for the games this weekend, uh, Dave. Yeah. Uh, let well let, let's let's uh, we've just been talking about Sunderland. They've got the their long. I think it's the longest trip in English football, isn't it? Sunderland yeah, to Plymouth. Plymouth. Yeah, yeah. Uh, talk maybe a little bit further, but yeah, you're right. Uh, listen, at the moment, I'm like I'm a big Moga fan as well. Okay, the only problem we is we all are. We all are. We all exactly because he's a wonderful person. Yeah, where we aren't. Sunderland aren't delivering away from home at the minute. I, I know that, okay, and I'm, I'm pretty sure somebody's got the stats somewhere, but I just know when, that, that they're not. At the same time, don't get me wrong, same as Plymouth, by the way, they're struggling. So mm -hmm. if Sunderland go down there, get a point, hey, nice journey down, you get a point, okay, fine. I'd probably see out the two teams at the minute, probably Sunderland at edge it. So I, I can see Sunderland win that one. Yeah, I hope I, I hope so. I mean, you know, they have got the championship's most outstanding individual, I believe, in Jack Clark. Dan Neal yeah. is a less spectacular player, but he's so crucial yeah. to that side. They haven't. I'd, I'd love to see the the Ukrainian Rusan score because he he came yeah. very close to scoring in in the recent win against Birmingham. I think he hit the post, and amazingly, although Sunderland are not short of goals, Dave, this season there hasn't been a no, single no. goal from the centre forward, and that needs to change. Well, that will change. That will change. That will not stay as it yeah. is. It will change. And for which case then, maybe it's tomorrow. There you go. 
Well, let's hope so. We'll go. We'll we'll go to your your first club, your uh, Middlesbrough. Now, I was yeah. at the game two weeks ago against Leicester, and I couldn't have praised Michael Carrick more. What a superb game plan, superbly executed by his players. Couldn't agree more. Yeah. But you know, Top. after let's make sure this isn't after the Lord's Mayor's show. They no. they beat the, the outstanding side in the championship. Now they have to go to Bristol City. You've recently sacked their ex. Yeah. Borough captain, you think they'll win? Yeah. 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 Tell me why. Tell me why. Why is that? Listen, they're flying. Okay. Yeah. Um. Even when Michael, you know, was struggling at the beginning of the season, couldn't get it right. He's just got this air of calmness, spot confidence on. about uh, him. Spot on. And that, yeah. and that will reflect in the changing room as well. By the way, okay. And the players will buy into that, and they'll say, if he's just calm and this thingy. Then he believes in us. Okay, so they, they they will they will feed off that. Borough will get promotion this year at the Premier League. Do you really think so? Absolutely. It's, it's going to be via the playoffs, surely, because they've left themselves a lot to do even at this but stage. They, there's a long, long way to go. Borough will get to the Premier League this year. Well, wouldn't it be lovely if both of them did? Let's turn to Newcastle, yeah. and of course, yeah. ev- everyone hates start going into an international break on the back of a defeat Horrible. it's even yeah, worse when it when it when it's a bad defeat and that that Bournemouth game was a bad defeat yes of course mitigating circumstances with injuries yeah. but Newcastle in the last two games I think I saw a stat they've only had one shot on target in the games against Dortmund and Bournemouth Listen, yes they're both away from home both tough games but what do you think in, in international breaks is Eddie Howe's forte I know I that. You've got a, yeah, From yes. all of the conversation, Eddie will be back on that train pitch as if it's pre-season. And he'll be working mm. them and getting them ready, get them mentally right, get them physically right, get the shape right, get the system right. He will have had time to really drill it back into these lads, going back to start again. And I'm, I'm pretty certain you'll see that tomorrow. But obviously, there's still injuries. There's still some key players away from the side. I actually think if they get a draw, it's a great result. Yes, I, I, you, you mentioned that, and I think it's a great point you make, that Dave. But half the players are on the treatment table; the other half exactly. have been all across the world playing international football. So exactly. he hasn't had know, an awful lot of players to work with on the training ground in the last few. And I think no, he gave no, the, he gave the players last week off, didn't he? Yeah, but listen, they'll be off, but they'll have had programs to look at and everything because that's yeah. how the guy is. Okay, so yeah. but I actually do think if they get a point, it's a great point. Okay, under the circumstances, it's a good point. Yeah, David, it's been absolutely fantastic talking to you. I, I think we've 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 we've, we've moved we've moved seamlessly from the seventies to the eighties to the to the noughties to the present day, and it, it's been fascinating. So, thank you very much, you. Dave. I'm sure our, our yes, listeners have enjoyed every minute. Thank you Take so care. much for inviting me. Take care. All bye the bye. best. Bye-bye. All you. the best, Bye-bye. Dave. Fabulous. My goodness, we should give David his own show, shouldn't we, Darren? Absolutely, yeah. Well, you said it, you, he could write a book. He has? <laughs> yeah, well, three quakes. <laughs> he, he did say he had three spells. I think his third spell down at Darlington was a very short one, in my defence. Yes. <laughs> but, yeah. Uh, yeah, I mean, as I say, you know, I, I, uh, I, I caught Clarkie out earlier when uh, during the Three Legends when I said to him, I said, uh, name, name the, the, the player who's my guest tonight who left a northeast club to join the best club in the country won two league titles and the european cup came back and eventually played for another northeast club and of course everyone thinks andy cole which would be right under those clues but uh dave dave hodgson did it before him absolutely 
Um, well, fascinating, absolutely fascinating, uh, Ian. Um, we're going to take a break. We'll have a bit of sports news, and then we have another guest on the show. That's right. We've got Scott Wilson, who was on my on the first show of the Black and White and Red all over back in August when uh, hopes were high, and he spoke an awful lot of sense. Then he'll speak an awful lot of sense again, and uh, he's a he's a worthy he's a worthy person to be the first to be called back onto the show. <laughs> all right, well we'll chat more uh, with him and you right after this. Black and white and red all over. He can talk football all day. Ian Murta. Do you know something? I, when we launched this show back in early August, I always asked my guests to give their predictions for the weekend, and I would give my predictions. I haven't got a clue for these three games. <laughs> I always, you know, Newcastle, Chelsea, win, lose, a draw. Well, it's a case of throwing the dice up in the air. Same with Sunderland's trip to Plymouth and uh, Middlesbrough's trip to Bristol City. I think all three results are very, very possible in all three games. Yeah, well, like we said earlier, I think Darren was being uh, very ambitious and the three legends uh, suggesting that we'll have three wins. Um, I don't know. Um, I mean, I'm, I'm really, I'm, I think Sunderland can go down there and get something. I think... Uh, I think they're, they're they are you know they've had a bit of time off. I think Moga will have them organised. Uh, I think there'll be a lot of goals in that game, but I think uh, I think Sunderland will will edge them. Um, it's funny you say that about a lot of goals, Darren. I think you could be right. If you, I think uh, I might think there've been over fifty goals in games involving Plymouth this year, wow. while Bristol City. If you look at, at, I wouldn't like to watch them regularly. Sixteen goals scored, sixteen goals against. That looks like a one nil either way. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And 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 how do you think Chelsea are going to come to the um, St James's Park this weekend? Well, I, well, I, you know, I mean, if the, if if the, if you do a straw poll on the greatest game in Premier League history, I think the one that would probably come out at top would be Liverpool four. Kevin Keegan's entertainers, Newcastle three, yeah. way back. I was fortunate enough to be covering that game, wow. and uh, there'd be one or two rivals to that over the years. And believe you me, that game at Stamford Bridge two weeks ago, before the international break, Chelsea four, Manchester City four, deserves to be talked about in the same breath. What a magnificent game! I think Cole Palmer is a real star, a real star. It looks a superb footballer big fan of Pochettino and of course Chelsea yes they didn't start the season well but they've had a lot of injuries but players are coming back now yeah. I just, I, I'm impressed with them I don't I've never been a Chelsea fan no. but I'm impressed with with how they've been going and of course they go to St James's Park with eight goals in the last two games absolutely and so I yeah I I think I think it's going to be another good game um I I, I think Newcastle will bounce back from that Bournemouth disappointment disappointment I think the injuries uh, you know, are still a concern, particularly because they they've got a pretty tough run of games, haven't they? They've got uh, Manchester United coming up, as well as PSG yep. and Milan and Tottenham as well. Uh, so uh, you've you've forgotten one there, Everton away. Everton My away, goodness. yes, oh, that, that's, that's going to be going to be a bear pit, absolutely. Yeah. Okay, Ian, uh, we're we're ready with our second guest, Scott Wilson. You are honoured. Second Hi, time Ian. on. Second time on, you must have done something right first time. I can't remember what it was, though. Oh, no, I can't either. It wouldn't have been predictions, I don't think. 
Uh, well, I'll tell you what, we've had a, we've had a great 20-minute uh, chat with uh, former Middlesbrough and Sunderland uh, striker Dave Hodgson. And we were just saying, these, these three games involving our clubs, they're very, very hard to predict this weekend, aren't they? They are. They are. I mean, um, yes, obviously Newcastle at home to Chelsea, um, you know, just about as tough as it gets with Chelsea hitting a bit of form. And, and then obviously Borough and um, Sunderland both on really long trips away. Having said that, I think I think we, you know, it, it's not out of the question that we're in a all three northeast team win treble territory. But um, well, they, I know you are, like gamble, they are Scott. all tough to call. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah, yeah, they they are. I mean, we, we've just been talking about Chelsea's last game against Manchester City, which is right up there, I believe, with with that Newcastle uh, defeat at Anfield all those years ago. One of the Premier League's great, great games. And I do like the look. I think Pochettino's finally, you know, players are coming back from injury. He's finally getting a good shape to the side. Cole Palmer's come in and he, he impressed me so much. Jackson's beginning to score goals. Conor Gallagher, they found the right position for him. So all in all, I think it's, a, it's going to be a tough afternoon. And, you know, I was talking to Dave Hodgson and he thinks, uh, you know, most Newcastle fans, if you gave them a 1-1 draw, they'd probably bite your hands off. Yeah, um, maybe that's a little bit because of obviously the the Bournemouth performance and results yes, prior to the international break. But but I think I think this is a game that listen, it's it's a really really important month month and a half for Newcastle now, isn't it? We've Ooh. got you know the, some massive league games. We've got the obviously the Champions League coming to a head. We've got the the Carabao Cup quarter final, obviously against, against Chelsea. Chelsea. So yes, I think. I think starting it with a win will be absolutely massive for Newcastle. Um, I think it would, you know, categorically draw a line under Bournemouth. It would give them a spring in their step heading to Paris and it would prove that, you know, these mounting injuries aren't insurmountable. Um, now, a draw, you're right, you know, certainly wouldn't be a disaster, but it would then probably pile a bit more pressure on the Man United game coming up next. So I think Newcastle will be going into it and, and Eddie Howe will be going into it off the back of this two-week break thinking, right, OK, let's throw everything we've got at this. If You know, if we can get a win, then it, then it sets us up brilliantly for what we've got coming next. And I think Newcastle, that will be the mindset. They'll definitely be positive. Be. They'll be it going in be. to, to try and do it. And, you know, a, a lot's been made, quite rightly, of, of the injury situation. It's a wretched casualty list. But Newcastle's starting eleven, particularly if Isaac is past fit, and, and Eddie Howe today wasn't offering any clues there, but the starting eleven is strong. You know, it, yes. it, you've got Gimeresh back. You've got Jolinton in midfield. You've Almiron, whose injury wasn't as bad as first feared. Gordon's there, he's flying. At the back, Lascelles has, has slotted in seamlessly in uh, Sven Botman's place. You've got the goalkeeper. Trippier is almost as good at left-back as right-back. Livermento's been a sensation since he's come into the side. So it's just uh, it's just when you look at the bench tomorrow is when you that will reflect the, the players who aren't available. Yeah, it's, it's the bench and it's also the fact that over the course of the next three or four weeks, it's going to be very, very hard well, that's for him right. to that's rotate right. as he as yes. he would 
ideally have liked to do. And so of course. players like Isaac or Almiron, who, you know, have had muscular issues, the worry would be that if they're having to play, what, five games in two weeks, two and a half weeks, that's a massive ask for any player, but especially players who have that kind of muscular issue. So that's where Howe is going to have to be really, really clever. But it's also where, as you rightly say, this is the first game back after a two-week break. And I know players have been playing national football, but, but effectively a two-week break. So I yes. think he can kind of throw everything at it tomorrow um, and, and then, you know, start to look at the squad game by game from that point onwards. Because as you rightly say... The starting eleven that will line up tomorrow against Chelsea will not be a million miles off, you know, the strongest Newcastle eleven. Yes, you'd have Botman in, but you know, Isaac Wilson, that's probably a fifty fifty call. Um you'd probably have Longstaff in if he didn't make it, but if it was to be a mid three field three of Willock, Bruno Will- Will- and Will- Joe yeah. Linden, then that's pretty good. You know it's what I mean? That's good. about as good yes. as Newcastle can name. So you're not gonna be a million miles off Newcastle at their strongest, but as you rightly say, you're not really gonna have the options to change it. Mm. Tell me if I'm right here, Scott. I would suggest that given the choice of a win against Chelsea and a defeat in Paris or the other way around, 80% of Newcastle fans would go for the former. They'd want to win tomorrow and lose against Paris Saint-Germain. Correct? Do you think that? I I'm do. not entirely do. sure. I'll, t- I'll, tell you, I'll tell you why, I think, Scott. Because I think Eddie Howe might. I'll tell you why. Because I've spoken to fans. We had a fan as a guest last week. And he said because Newcastle fans... You know, two years ago, Europe was on the... It wasn't even a distant dream. Even 12 months ago, it was a lovely dream. But Newcastle fans, they've gone over to Dortmund and Milan, not so much expecting wins, but just to have a great time to say, we are back. And I think it will Mm. be more or less the same. I think it's been a, a... bonus this season and of course I'm not saying they want to finish bottom of the group although funnily enough I I know one or two fans I've spoken to who would rather finish bottom than third but that's a, that's a, 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 an aside I think Newcastle fans just thought isn't it great to be back among the elite it doesn't particularly matter this season but we want to be there but we want to consolidate our position among the Premier League elite I I take your point and I see what you say. I just think that having had the taste of it out in Milan and Dortmund and having had the massive high of that Paris Saint-Germain win when at the time it looked like qualification was really there, then I think if you finish bottom of the group and miss out on Europe entirely in the second half of the season, yes, I understand it might be the best thing in terms of managing this squad through the rest of the season. But I think from a fan point of view, it would still be a disappointment not to have any of those trips in the second half of the season because they've been such kind of, um, you know, uplifting, memorable experiences. You know, all the Newcastle fans down by the canal in Milan, all the Newcastle fans in the square in Dortmund. I think think to be able to carry that on in the second half of the season would be massive. I'm sure. I'm sure a lot of our press colleagues will be shopping in the Champs Elysees, buying the expensive handbags and jewelry for the wives <laughs> of Christmas. Sure. Yeah, I'm sure. I'm sure. Yeah, maybe a Christmas so. tree decoration. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, but you know, we we did mention anyhow. I he would never say this publicly, of course, but I honestly do believe that given a choice between finishing third and maybe getting into the knockout stages against some obscure club from uh, uh, 
Serbia, Bulgaria. I think he'd probably rather uh, finish bottom, get concentrated on the FA Cup and finishing as high in the league as possible. Yeah, it's the classic kind of argument, isn't it? I, I can see it. I, you know, I, and, and if Newcastle were to end up in the Europa League, it would ask massive demands of the squad in the second half of the season. But... In the second half of the season, you'd like to think that a lot of these players will be coming back and who knows, they might add a little bit more in January. True. And B, True. if Newcastle were to end up in the Europa League, I mean, listen, you take nothing for granted. But as you know, as um, as we've seen from English sides in that competition in the past, quarterfinals, semifinals, final would not be out of the question in any way, shape or form for Newcastle with a, with a, you know, a half-decent set of draws and, and a few players back. So... You know, that's the trade-off, isn't it? Yes, it would make life very, very difficult, but maybe Newcastle could get to the la- real last stages of a European competition, which which would be huge in itself, wouldn't it? It would, it would. I'm just thinking back to those days, it was in 2006 when lost at Sporting Lisbon, and in, yeah. I was in the mix zone with you, and Shea Given and Alan Shearer, I have never seen two footballers more devastated than yeah. that night that you know they felt that was their year and was that yeah. a, that was a quarter final it was a that was they, a they quarter marseille, final yeah. marseille and the and following year marseille the was previous the 70s, year would yeah. be marseille that's but right lisbon they, 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 they took they the lead didn't they? they took the lead out there and oh, it looked like they were really right. set up for it but um but and, obviously it didn't happen yeah that's right let's have a prediction for you for uh tomorrow i'm look i'm there and i'm very much looking forward to it. i think it'll be a cracker i'm going for one one scott what about you I, I've seen loads of people suggesting it's going to be wide open with loads of goals. And I think that's really a reflection of Chelsea's last game. I don't think it'll be like that. I, I, I think mm-hmm. most games between Newcastle and Chelsea at St. James's in the last few years have been relatively tight. Um, mm-hmm. I, th- I think Newcastle win 1-0. That's, really? uh, that's what I fancy. I, I, yeah, I do. Yeah, and I think it'll be a late winner. I think it'll be really nip and tuck. Um, I think it, it's a game that for you know could be heading towards a one a nil nil, and then Newcastle nick it with maybe five minutes left. I think Newcastle win one nil. They did that a few years ago, didn't they? When Steve Bruce was in charge, and I think yeah, was did. it Isaac yeah, Hayden? Isaac Hayden got a late yeah. header. The, the right one at the death, yeah, it was. That's yeah, yeah, right. Yeah. That's yeah. right. Let, let, let's turn to Sunderland. It's a it's a long, long trip to Plymouth, and of course Plymouth. They, they're a peculiar team, aren't they? They looked as if they could be a real force at home park when they thrashed Norwich City. When they came and of up, course, yeah. they, they, they shared a six-goal thriller with uh, with Middlesbrough. But you know that they 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 are pretty inconsistent and they tailed off a little bit, haven't they? It, is it an away win again for Sunderland? It feels like a big chance for Sunderland. Yeah, um, I think the interesting thing with Sunderland over these next few weeks will be to see, and, and Tony Mowbray has been kind of saying this repeatedly, will be to see if any of these four strikers can really step up and start scoring right. goals and become yes. the lead striker for Sunderland. I mean, the interesting thing with this this international break is it's the first one where all four of them have been there all fortnight. Um, and I know Mowbray was saying this week that you know it's been a big period because he's had that prolonged period with them. He's actually been able to start. You know they're all fit, they're all there. He's been able to to kind of have a proper look at all of them, see exactly what they've all got to offer, start getting over to them what he wants from them. And so, yeah. you know, listen. Yes, th- there's young lads in there. Yes, they've all just come in, but. 
what we're nearly into December now and, and none of them have scored a goal yet. And for all that Sunderland have been great and there's been so much positive things about Sunderland this season, they need one of those strikers to step up now. Um, they do. And I think that's it, it, going to be It's very strange, isn't it? It, it, it? It's strange because, you know, goal scoring has not been a problem from the word go, but the, the, the number nine, the centre forward, for want of a better word, has not been scoring goals. Now, Roussan came very, very close in the Norwich game and he hit the post. Do you think he'll be getting yeah. the nod tomorrow? I think he'll start. He, he to me, looks the, the better all-round prospect of all of them because, and, mm. and that Norwich performance was his best performance in a Sunderland shirt. There's no doubt about that. My yeah. end is exciting and, and I understand do you mean the, Nor- the do you mean kind the, of get him in. I think I think we, I think we're both. I think we mean the Birmingham one. That yes, Birmingham was the last Norris. game. Sorry, yeah. Ian. Yeah, Birmingham. It was my fault. Yeah, yes, yeah. I'm correcting yeah, yeah. myself, not not you. <laughs> yeah. Um, <laughs> and yeah, Mayenda looks exciting. He obviously came on for the last 20 minutes in that game and and had a decent chance and looked really sharp. But I think at the minute, Rusin looks the best bet for leading the line at over 90 minutes and holding the ball up, being a threat in the air. He's got a shot on him. Um, he's clearly growing in confidence. So I think he's the one who will get a run in the side. And he, and he just needs a goal because, like you say, you know, he hit the post. He obviously, you know, got the assist. Lovely little, little flick on from the corner for, for Joe Bellingham's right. goal. That's so, right. you know, there's a lot of good signs there. He just needs to hit the back of the net. But, but I do think he's the one that Mowbray will stick with for a little while yet. Do you know, it's interesting. When Mason Burslow came, I got a phone call from a friend who watched a lot of Chelsea both at first team level and beneath and he said Sunderland have got an absolute diamond here and I was excited I remember telling you when uh, expect great things from him now I understand I wasn't at the Sheffield Wednesday game uh, and I think that was his finest game but I've been very disappointed in in the games that I've seen first hand yeah I was at Hillsborough and it was easily his best game admittedly against yeah. a pretty wretched Sheffield Wednesday side um, yeah. but he set up he set up a goal there didn't he for Jack Clark he won the penalty that Clark also scored it was it was easily his best game for me he looks he looks really good he looks he looks like he's got everything until he gets in the 18 yard box and then yeah. he, he, he is he, whether it's a lack of composure whether it's a lack of experience whether it's just that he's not going to be that number 9 he's going to eventually be more of a 10 or a, a playmaker or a wide attacker I, I, I don't really know but um there's no doubt that he looks a completely different player linking play pulling defenders around making darts into the channels than he does kind of look you know asked to convert chances in the 18 yard box that's undoubtedly the aspect of his game that's been lacking so far yeah now Plymouth score goals but they also concede goals I think for Sunderland to get something out of this game they need Dan Ballard to to pass his late I only said something very rude there to pass his late fitness test because you know if they can get the Ballard 09 defensive partnership back then it's going to be so much better because Sunderland will get chances against a pretty woeful Argyle defence. Yeah, and I think I think the you know the noises from Tony Mowbray this week have been fairly positive on the ball. Have, I, yes, you know, I, yes. I think I think he'll play, and I think you're right. I think that will be a big boost to Sunderland because for all that Triantis and Seal both came in and kind of did a job against Birmingham, they um, they had their shaky moments, I think it's fair to say, mm. in that game. So, um, yeah, Ballard will be important. Um, but, 
I, I think this will be a lot more open game than the Newcastle one we talked about. Um, I, th- I think they'll, you know, that it would be a, probably both teams to score if you were doing that kind of thing on your coupon. But yeah. I think Sunderland will score more, so I would go two-one or three-one Sunderland. I think. I'm going to go if Ballard plays. I think it's a two-one win. If he doesn't, I think it's a two-two draw. Now oh, yeah. talking about uh, talking. One game which certainly won't be open is the game at Ashton Gate. Have you seen Bristol City stats this season? I, mean, I think they've scored yeah. 16 and they've conceded 16. Now, Middlesbrough aren't prolific either, so this isn't going to be a high-scoring affair, is it, Scott? Probably not, although the only thing I would say with that is I think Bristol City are, are, are a different team under Liam Manning. I think, I think he is making them a bit more... Um, a bit more of a possession-based, almost a Carrick-style yes. team than obviously what they yes. were under Peterson and, and in the kind of previous regime. So I take your point, um, but I think that's probably evolving slightly. And, and Borough, obviously, you know, very much have their tails up at the minute. So they'll go there to attack. So, yeah, not necessarily high scoring, but I think it'll be maybe a better, more attractive game than those bare Bristol City stats suggest. Well, talk, talking of goals, I mean, you don't need goals to, to be entertaining. I mean, I would say it's it's in my top two or three as best games I've seen this season was Borough's game against Leicester. Uh, I yeah. was there with your, coll- your colleague Dom- Dominic was there rather than yourself, but uh, yeah. outstanding game. Uh, I, I mentioned earlier Michael Carrick's game plan was superb. Middlesbrough executed it so, so well. And they defend it wonderfully. And I mean, defending can be an art. And Dale Fry, I remember about when he first broke at the side, I thought, here we go again, we've got new Woodgate. Now, then he did dip. That was his best mm. performance I've seen him play for a long, long time. He was outstanding. And, yeah. you know, ha- ha- yeah, yeah, it was, a, it was a performance of the collective. And Middlesbrough, you look at that side and you think, who's going to score the goals? But it doesn't really matter because these days they're putting in the performances so that someone will score the goals. Yeah, absolutely. Um, you know, I, Corburn's not going to be a 20-goal-a-season man, but he might be a 10 or a dozen. And then if you've got an around that Greenwood, you know, he can clearly score. Isaiah Jones should score more goals than he does, to be perfectly honest. Crook's playing mm-hmm. as a 10, all right, he's not... He's not a Tuber Akpom style 10, but he will still win with goals. McGree will get goals when he's back in the side. They're a threat from set pieces. So, no, there's goals in that Borough side. And also, you know, they're generally pretty good at the back. So, they're not a side that necessarily has to score three, four goals to win a game when you've got Fry, McNair, House and kind of mopping up in front. Vandenberg's obviously made a really good impression since he's come in. So, so no, you know, I... That was a worry for me at the start of the season. Obviously, we're, we're no Tuba, no Cameron Archer. Are Borough going to score enough goals? Mm. You look at the side now and you think, yeah, that, that, that you know, they probably do have enough goals in there. It's When, when I look at uh, Josh Coburn, it's almost become a, a cliche, isn't it, when you say a striker puts in a shift. But then you look at him and it's a, it's a fair description, you know, Yes, he, he didn't score last week. He'd scored a couple at Plymouth, but uh, he isn't going to be prolific. But when he came off late on, there wasn't a, a spectator in the ground who didn't give him a round of applause. He gives the centre-halves a really, really tough time. He runs the channels. He makes decoy runs. He's selfless. And I agree I agree with you. I think he's a half-decent centre-forward who you mm. probably end up with the 10 goals this season. He's not going to threaten the, the highest goal charts, but I like him. I like him a lot. 
He's improving, I think, isn't he? I mean, you, what you've got to remember with Corbett is for all that he kind of burst onto the scene with that, that cup goal against Spurs and, you know, that seems like he's been around forever. He's still very, yeah. very young. And, you know, he, he had that spell with Bristol Rovers last year. But this is really his first proper shot at the championship. So he is still learning on the job to a certain degree. And, and I think you're right. It gives defenders a really hard game. And, and what Borough do have, of course, is Latalath on the bench, who uh, is very raw, you know, misses chances, but undoubtedly has an awful lot of pace and Dynamism, you know, almost yes. is the ideal 20-minute cameo once Corburn's run defenders around and pulled them here, there and everywhere. All I of agree. a sudden you get what has to be one of the fastest strikers in the championship coming on to replace him. So, you know, again, while neither of those players is going to be massively prolific, they actually dovetail into not a bad twin strike Com force that you can I, kind I of agree. use, you know, in that way. Yeah, one's a 65, 70 minute and the other 20, 25 minute. Yeah, I couldn't agree more. Yeah. Just before I ask you for a prediction, Diang, wonderful reflexes, wonderful athleticism. Will you please learn to kick a ball? Yeah, he's, that's, he's not, that's kind of not what he's being asked to do, though, is it, in fairness to him? You know, like, um, I take your point... But, he was outstanding against Leicester, but he still put them in trouble with his clearances. He did, and and obviously one of the one of the really good saves he made, he had to make because he got them into that. But that's very and, much yes, the way right. that Carrick wants him to play. It's very much what he's being taught. That it, you know, it's the modern way, isn't it? But it's also it Carrick's is. way. Um, he, you know, he. Um, when Stefan left, yes, he needed a shot stopper, but it was very much in his mind that he wanted a keeper who could, you know, um, take the ball, look to look to yeah. keep possession, look to build from the back. You know, when you see De Yang when Borough attacking, he's pretty much stood on the edge of his 18-yard yes. box in yes. a kind of sweep keeper role. And, and what that does allow Borough to do is push the centre-halves up the field and, and press quite high up the pitch, which has yeah. got them, you know, a fair few rewards this season. So, listen, there's heart-in-the-mouth moments with him, definitely. What you would say, in fairness to him, is for all that he's sailed pretty close to the wind at times this season he hasn't actually really dropped a bad one yet you feel no, like there's one coming and it probably is um but that's just the way that Carrick wants him to be i think yeah i agree and in many respects for for Dieng, read uh read nick pope you know i mean uh two outstanding yeah. goalkeepers in the in the old-fashioned sense but if they if They'd be among the best in the business if, if they were a little bit happier with their feet. But listen, uh, time's running out. It's been a pleasure as always, Scott. But uh, I need a prediction for Middlesbrough. I'll, I'll go first. Uh, I think Middlesbrough will win this game 2-0. I'm going to complete the North East win treble. I think they win 2-1. 2-1 Borough, 2-1 Sunderland, 1-0 Newcastle. Well, I think you'll get better odds on that than you will... At Punchestown Races, Scott. <laughs> quite possibly, yeah, quite possibly. Well, it's been lovely talking to you, and uh, I think next time we see each other, we'll have a, a pretty fair idea whether Newcastle's slump is over, whether Middlesbrough and Sunderland have outside chance of automatic promotion or a genuine playoff contenders. But uh, the next few, the next week and a half is going to tell us an awful lot. It will, yeah, definitely will. Thanks, Scott. Cheers, Ian. Mm. Well, another chat. I mean, Scott's always so full of pity. I, I, I've thoroughly enjoyed this show. I've had two people who can talk till the cows come home and uh, 
unlike my good self, they talk an awful lot of sense. <laughs> Behave. Behave. Yeah, I mean, uh, it's interesting him saying there, he's thinking about uh, three wins there for the big uh, three teams. I can't see it. I'd be delighted, but I can't see it. I can't see it. As I said earlier, I'm going to do... I'm going to put my echo on in a few minutes' time, and I think I'll avoid the three northeast clubs. <laughs> uh, well, I, well, I, I'm I'm going to go one-one Newcastle Chelsea. Um, I'm, mm. Yeah, that's and, what I thought. Yeah. yeah, and I think I'm being kind because um, uh, I, I I do I think Chelsea may be too strong for them. Um, I think Sunderland will beat Plymouth three-two, and I think Borough will will edge it one-nil at down at Bristol. I think that that's my well, prediction. It's, it's December next week. I'll try and get Santa Claus on the show, but if I fail, <laughs> I can promise you two very, very good guests. Well, thank you. As always, Ian, it's an absolute pleasure. Uh, black and white and red all over with Ian Murter. Uh, the podcast will be available soon, uh, and you can catch Ian again next this time next week. Have a good weekend, Ian. And you. <laughs>